Parkview Church, blessings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to be God's people, opening up God's word to learn Christ together. So please open your Bibles to Matthew 13. We're going to continue our series in the parables of Jesus, and we're in Matthew 13, which is a well-known parable, the parable of the sower, the parable of the seeds, maybe the four types of soil, different names, but mostly probably in your Bible, it's the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, 1 to 23. And remember what parables are. One scholar puts it this way. Uh, the parables are fictional stories given to us by Jesus as kind of a pair of a lens, glasses by which we look upward to know who God is, what his character is like, how he has shown himself to be in Jesus Christ. So there's an upward looking through this lens of a parable of who God is. But then there's an kind of an outward looking of how to live life in God's kingdom. That's what the parables are. There's these fictional stories by which we get to see what God is like and who he is, what he values, and then to put into practice what he values in his kingdom in our everyday lives. That's what the parables are for. And today's parable is unique compared to all the other parables because, in a sense, it's a, the parable of the parables. It is the gateway, the entryway into the parables. It is Jesus telling us why in the world does he speak in what are these, at times, strange and mysterious stories? Why does he teach parables? Jesus tells us today the purpose of the parables. And here's the question that Jesus is pressing into us today. Are you, Parkview Church, are you hearing and understanding the word of Christ? As you think about your relationship with God, what is your posture to his word? Are you truly hearing, and not only hearing, but understanding the word of Christ? Because here, here's the point of the parable, right from the beginning. Here it is. The one thing I hope, I pray, that we are taking away from our time in God's word. It is that fruit production by God's people always begins with a heart posture towards God's word. Fruit production among God's people always begins with a right heart posture towards his word. If you look at verse 23, Jesus says the soil, the one soil, the first three, no fruit. The last soil, soil number four, produces fruit. Why? Because they hear and understand God's word. Hearing and understanding God's word leads to producing fruit. So fruit production by God's people is directly linked to the right heart posture to God's word, a posture of seeking understanding, okay? Now, we know this in our everyday lives. It's very simple, very simple, right? If you're at work, for example, if you're at work, it's very difficult, is it not, to be any sort of pro have any sort of productivity to produce good work if you not just hear what your boss says, but actually understand what your boss is saying. If you don't understand the directions of what you should be doing in your tasks at work, it is nearly impossible to actually be productive. Productivity or bearing fruit in your work is all based upon not only hearing what you should be doing, but understanding why it matters. So with that, let's listen carefully to the parable of the sower. I'm going to read all 23 verses. And fascinating enough, right, let's hear, let's hear the portion of God's word that's going to press into us that we should hear God's word. You ready? 
Let's listen carefully. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat, and he sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see. And hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, now it heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in the heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now, as for the one who was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. This is God's word. It is true, and it's given to us in love. Let's pray. Father, show us Christ, your Son, from this text. By the help of your Holy Spirit, help me as a servant first to you, and then secondly to these people. Help me come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Help us hear all that you speak, understand all that you teach, obey all that you command, and gladly receive all that you want to give us today. For the sake of Christ, your Son, amen. So fruit production is directly linked to heart posture, the right heart posture of hearing and understanding the word of Christ. We're going to see this in three ways this morning. The first is by exploring the point of the parable. 
The second is to understand the problem of our hearts. And the third is the posture that we all need. First, the point of the parable. The point of the parable is very simple to understand, I think. If you read it once, maybe twice, you probably will understand what this parable is about, right? Just notice the key words and phrases repeated throughout. We'll go very quickly here. Verse 9, he who has ears, let him hear. Verse 13, they hear but do not understand. Verse 14, you hear but never understand. Verse 15, hearing with their ears and understanding with their heart. Verse 16, Blessed are your ears, for they hear. Verse 18, hear then the parable of the sower. Verse 23, the one who hears the word and understands, he bears fruit. Hearing and understanding the word of the kingdom, or the secrets of the kingdom, or the word, right? What is the seed that's thrown? You ever ask this question? Jesus oftentimes in the Gospels will say that he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, or he's preaching the word, or he's preaching the word of the kingdom. Here it uses kind of several of those different words. Now, now, what does this mean? Well, a quick clarification, right? Throughout the parable and the gospel, Jesus uses this language of word or word of the kingdom or secrets of the kingdom. And very simply, it's, it's basically the, the message of Jesus. It's the message about Jesus that he is God's promised king. The ever, all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible, where, where God rules over God's people through God's word, that, that that theme that God starts all the way in Genesis as God speaks and things come to being, and then he speaks his word to Adam and Eve, his first people, and they are to listen to his word and respond, and of course they reject it and resist it, and everything spirals into chaos in scripture, and the world that we see today, all the chaos and pain and rebellion that we see, is because people have refused God's rule, his rule of justice and love over their lives because they've resisted God's word. So what God promises over and over again in the Old Testament is that God's king would come to restore God's rule over God's people through God's word. And Jesus is saying this, this secret of the kingdom, this mystery of the kingdom is now revealed and it is me. Jesus Christ, he is the word, the message from God, that he is God's true king. And it is, therefore, the word all about Christ and how we respond to Jesus as he speaks himself from the word to our hearts. So the question that Jesus is asking all of us today, what he asks in verse 9 is, do you have ears to hear? Are we hearing and understanding Christ as he presents himself to us on Sunday mornings through the preaching of his word, throughout the week as our parents speak to us about the Lord Jesus, throughout the work week as we speak to one another as friends about Jesus, are we more and more becoming people whose hearts are opening up, our ears are listening, and we're understanding all that Jesus means for us, or are we people who slowly but surely continue to harden our hearts, to stuff our ears as we resist the word of Christ spoken to us. Parkview Church, do you have ears to hear this morning? 
That's the first point. Let's move now to our second point and explore the problem of our hearts. Verse 10, look with me. The disciples come to Jesus asking him, why do you speak, listen, look at the words, right? Why do you speak to them in parables? And so in response, Jesus now is going to give his, we might say, his theology of parables or the purpose of why he speaks in parables. And he highlights the fact very simply, let's not get lost in some of the challenges of this portion of Scripture. Basically, he says it all comes down to two types of people, those who hear and receive or those who hear and do not receive or do not understand and embrace the message of Christ. It's all about how a person's heart responds to the Word of God. Verse 11, Jesus says, right, to you, disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, that I am the Christ, I am the one who's putting all things back together again in God's plan, but not to them. To some it will be given, to others it will be taken away, verse 12. Verse 13, this is why I speak in parables, because they do not see and hear, but do not understand. Then in verses 14 to 15, Jesus says the reality that some people will hear and receive, that to some it is given, and to others it is not, those who hear and reject, it's because of God's sovereign purpose behind his word about Christ going forth in the world. Jesus quotes Isaiah 6, a very difficult passage for many of us to hear. That in Isaiah 6, what it says is that the hearts of the people have grown dull, their ears barely hear, their eyes are closed, lest the people would hear and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. So God sovereignly, every time, we might say, every time the word of Christ goes forth, whether through Sunday morning and the preaching of God's word, or in a community group Bible study context, or in talking with a neighbor, two things are happening. Either, one of two things are happening. Either there is a hardening of the heart and a closed offness and a stiff arm rejection of God, or there is a working of God's mercy and opening of the heart to hear and to receive the message about Jesus. That is why then in verse 16 and 17, Jesus concludes and says, blessed are you, disciples, because you hear and see that the ancient people of God had always longed to see and hear, but could not. Now, there are many points we could make, but notice the primary point that Jesus here is pressing upon us. As the parables are told, specifically, we might say, as the word of Christ goes forth, that Jesus is God's promised King and Lord, as this word of Christ goes forth into the world, God uses it to either harden hearts of those who are, have unbelief and resistance against them, or God at the same time is opening hearts of those who would receive Christ. So the reason Jesus teaches in parables is both an act of God's sovereignty of closing hearts and hardening hearts or opening hearts and helping them hear Christ, but there's also not just God's sovereignty, but human responsibility in which we are responsible as people made in God's image, to hear the word about Jesus and to respond appropriately, both and. The Bible does not only speak of God's sovereignty and that we are robots, nor is it that it's all about human free will and God sits back and just observes to see what we will do. 
it teaches this mysterious unity both of God's sovereignty through the preaching of his word to open and close hearts and also every person in this room's responsibility to listen carefully to what is said about Jesus Christ and to receive him. That is the purpose of what Christ is doing. C.S. Lewis, I think, helpfully puts it this way. In the end, there are only two types of people. Those who say to the Lord and his word, thy will be done. Or those to whom the Lord Jesus will say, or those who say, my will be done. But here is what we see that we must not lose sight of. Don't lose sight of verses 17 and 18 where Jesus turns to his disciples and say they are blessed. They are blessed. They are most, they're the people most to be happy and rejoicing. Why? Because they see and hear and understand Jesus. Because their eyes have been opened to see the beauty of Christ. Because their ears have been unstopped, so to speak, to actually hear the words of love that Jesus is speaking all the time to every person on this planet as he daily, daily bears witness to himself through his creation and ultimately through his word that they can see and that they can hear and they can know and they have hearts that have been open to understand. Parkview, we as Christians, what Jesus is pressing into us this morning is that we as Christians must never lose sight of the utter amazement and joy and blessing that the Lord of glory has had mercy upon us and opened our eyes to see Jesus, our ears to hear his loving voice of mercy and compassion, and a heart no longer hard but soft and open to his word. Do you realize that if you are a Christian, your life daily bears witness to the miracle of God? That he's opened your heart to his beauty, and therefore we ought to be the people who have joy and true blessing in the Lord. You see, friends, when we arrive at heaven in the new creation, not one of us if by faith we have trusted in Christ and we enter into his new kingdom, not one of us will spend one second boasting about some choice that we made or a cleverness of our understanding of Jesus. What we will do is we will sing hallelujah and praise and glory to the Lord of all who has had mercy upon me, a sinner, to help me understand the goodness of his gospel. It reminds me of this wonderful hymn called How Sweet and Awful is the Place. It's a description of what it might be like when we finally approach Jesus on his throne in heaven in the new creation. And the lyric says this, While all our hearts and all our songs join to admire the feast, each of us cries with thankful tongue, Lord, why was I a guest? Why was I made to hear your voice and enter while there's room when thousands make a wretched choice and rather starve? Then come. Twas the same love that spread the feast that sweetly drew us in, else we had still refused to taste and perished in our sin. Parkview Church, do you have ears to hear? Are you understanding what Christ is offering to you this morning? Or are you, as this hymn just said, are you making the wretched choice right now as you're sitting here, resisting Jesus Christ, the wretched choice to starve yourself? 
to eternal death. When infinite life and joy has been offered to you in Jesus. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, this leads to our final point. It's the posture that we all need. Let's briefly examine each soil and then spend some time lingering on the last soil. Because every soil rejects Christ, right, because they misunderstand something about Christ except the fourth one, right? The first three, they hear, did you notice that? All three hear. Some of us, when I first read this years ago, I think the way I understood it was, didn't, didn't hear, didn't hear, didn't hear. Finally, they heard. Nope. Heard, 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 but didn't understand. And only the fourth hears, verse 23, and understands. So at every point, there's a misunderstanding about Christ. And that leads to rejection. The first soil, maybe that is some of us here today. We're along the path, but Satan takes away the seed by telling us lies about who Jesus is. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. What was the main, primary, first temptation that Satan had against Eve? He says, yes, did God really say? To call into question the truthfulness and trustworthiness of God and his word. Maybe some of us here today have a defiant posture. That's the first soil. What it represents is a heart of defiant posture. Resistance against the truth of Jesus. Misunderstanding that in Jesus you have someone who gives the truth that sets you free to become the person you were made to be. Are you listening and understanding or are you in defiance hardening your heart against the Lord Jesus and his truth? Second, second soil. Some of us here maybe are like the rocky ground. We start off, it's really exciting. We first learn about Jesus. Wow, I can have my sins forgiven, my past dealt with finally. That kind of haunts me. And I can now live a different life. But then what does it say there in verses 20 to 21 that the difficulties come and the suffering comes because of the word, because of being a Christian. And those people turn away from Christ when life gets hard. This represents the, we might say, the, the shallow heart posture or the non-deep heart posture. The first one is just total defiance. The second one lacks depth. And this type of heart misunderstands the costliness of Jesus, the costliness of Jesus. What do I mean? Well, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus is very clear. If you follow me, there will come suffering, pain, and trials. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. Some of us have a misunderstanding about what the Christian life and what following Jesus is all about. We think what it means primarily is that Jesus helps me become a better person, to become more moral, And in the end, I'll get heaven and I'll feel really happy about myself. But when the pressures of life come, when the pain of life come, when the reality of a world twisted and broken by sin and suffering actually starts suffocating your life, we want out. Now, a word to those of us here who are suffering right now. The word of God, Jesus Christ, is is pressing into you. Do not fall away from him come to him because what we have in scripture, what we have in the word of Christ is an understanding of who Jesus is as the God who suffers with us. Yes, Jesus calls us to carry a cross. 
and that includes suffering, but any cross of suffering and disappointment that we bear, the heaviest part of the cross has been taken care of by Jesus Christ. The suffering and pain you are going through is not wasted because you have a Savior who went through the suffering of crucifixion on your behalf and rose again to glory and power, and he strengthens you day by day in the midst of suffering to keep your eyes focused on him. So don't fall away because that is the temptation that we face in suffering is to leave our Lord, but in Jesus Christ you have the one who is with you and for you in the midst of your suffering. Soul number three. Maybe some of us are soul number three. Among the thorns and the anxieties of life and the deceitfulness of riches and wealth and success and popularity, they pull us away from Christ. This represents a distracted heart posture. We're so distracted amidst all the values of this world that we are offered. So many competing things in our affluent Western culture. And we have to be very honest here. Here we are situated in 21st century Western America. And there's a lot of wealth and affluence in our community. And the temptation is to serve two masters, to follow Jesus on certain days of the week when it works well for us, and the other days of the week to fall prey to the idol of success and wealth and more compiling of riches and possessions. It's very difficult. All of us are tempted by this in some way, some form, some fashion. We are lying to ourselves if we say we are not. Most of us are tempted, right, to keep up with the Joneses in a way to live in a kingdom that looks more like America and the richness of America than the kingdom of Jesus, the one who humbled himself in poverty and death for us. If the apostle Paul, someone who had status and popularity and probably a lot of wealth in his time, says in Philippians, he says, I count all things a loss compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord. See, Paul, formerly Saul, we've talked about Thomas preached a sermon through Acts, Uh, in his conversion in Acts 9, Saul becomes Paul, and he realizes something about Jesus, that there is an infinite preciousness of Jesus that far outweighs any idol or temptation that comes our way. Those are the three types of soil. And then there's just the everyday challenges that we face, right, that Jesus' parable exposes in our hearts. Some of us just don't care very much about the Bible, If the Bible was taken out of our daily lives, it would make no difference whatsoever. Some of us come here on Sunday morning, and we're very lackadaisical, and there's no sense of a prayer or a ready to receive. It's just, I check the box. Many of us are not opening God's word personally, or we're in a community that's helping us do that, and we really don't care. It's not like it's not happening. We're like, oh, Lord, help me, help me. I want more of the Bible. It's that... There it is, no Bible, and we don't really care. Some of us are there right now. And we have to understand that we have a heart problem. Because fruit production in God's people is directly linked to the right heart posture to God's word. And so there is hope in only one place, And the hope is in Jesus Christ. I want you to look again at the difference between soils one, two, and three and the fourth one. 
Hear, 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 but do not understand. The fourth one hears and understands. And look what happens in verse 10. Verses 1 to 9, Jesus is teaching. There he's sitting on the boat. Thomas Hoke, help me understand this. There he is sitting on a boat teaching. In a sense, Jesus, right, verses 1 to 2, he's casting the, the seed. He's teaching away. And then he tells this parable. At the very end, verse 9, he says, let he who has ears, let him hear. And then who comes to him for more? The disciples, verse 10, they come to him and they say, why? They ask why. They ask why. It's a posture of learning. Haddon right now, he's almost three years old. Do you know what I hear all the time in my house? Well, what's that, daddy? Well, why is this? Who that? Why do they say that? Why this? What? Why? Because he's learning. Because he's a sponge. He wants to soak things up. Because he's a little kid. That's what little kids do. It's a posture of, of helplessness and total dependence. And that's what a true disciple is. A true disciple, don't miss this, Parkview, has a heart posture of humble hunger towards God's word. Humble hunger towards God's word, where the disciple comes to Jesus again and again. Think about how many times in the Gospels we are presented where the disciples go to Jesus, and why this, Lord? And help us understand this, and teach us to pray, and I'm hungry, teach me. Help me understand. Help me understand. That is what a disciple does because they know that Jesus has the words of life. And with him is true life. And in his word is all that we need. Man does not live by bread alone, but by the very word of God that comes forth from the word of Christ. That is what we need in order to thrive and to be vibrant and to bear fruit. Fruit production by God's people is directly linked to a heart posture to God's word of, Lord, I'm hungry. Help teach me. I want to grow. I want to know more of you. I want to see more of you. I'm not satisfied with my current vision of Jesus. I want a bigger vision of Jesus. I want to understand more of who he is. Help me. Why? Learn, learn, learn. That's what a disciple does because you understand that in Christ is the words of life. Friends, it's very simple. It all begins with honesty of just naming our spiritual poverty and our spiritual hunger. I know so many of us spiritually are not where we want to be. We look at our lives, and there is not the fruit we want to see. And when Matthew talks about fruit, he means really two things, that there is character and calling, that our character, like the Sermon on the Mount, is reflecting the fruit of the Spirit. There's more love for others and more joy in my life and more freedom, and there's more peace from anxiety, and there's more faithfulness to the people around me, and there's more gentleness and calmness instead of anger and harshness, and there's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit of the character, but there's also calling of fruitfulness, of going out into this world as workers and husbands and single and, and parents and all the different callings that we have, and we're blessing those people, and we're bringing the reflection of Christ in those places, and, and if we're honest, we look at our character and our callings, and we think, Lord, I want more fruit. I want more fruit, and what the Lord's telling us, if you want fruit, come back to his word and hear and understand. Hear and understand who Christ is, because as we, John 15, abide in Christ and in the truth of his word, we will see fruit grow. Can I just be honest with you as a pastor right now? I am not satisfied. In fact, I'm quite disappointed with my prayer life right now. 
Can I just be honest with you? I just, I want to be more earnest in my prayer. My prayer feels so bleh right now. It just does, okay? Just being honest with you. Can I share this honest with you? To become a better prayer, according to this passage, is, which is a nice fruit, is to come back to his word, to hear and understand Christ from his word, to say, Jesus, teach me to pray. Help me. Help me. Some of you right now are consistently getting angry or falling prey to some sort of sexual temptation or whatever that particular sin is in your life. And I wonder if it's because you've detached your heart from a hearing and understanding Christ from his word. What's the posture of your heart to scripture? Because in scripture we are given Jesus Christ. That is the fruitfulness. That's where fruitfulness begins, brothers and sisters. So three takeaways. First, first for those of you here who are truly actually resisting Christ in sheer disbelief, you would say, I'm not a Christian. I want to speak to you that from God's word, you have to understand that you are in terrible spiritual danger. That there is judgment coming for those who middle finger, defiant, reject Jesus and his word. It does not end well for you, friend. And so the call to you is to turn from your unbelief and to turn afresh to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, here is my heart. Do something. Change me. A call to you to turn and to hear and to understand. Some of you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over again, but you have yet to actually understand and receive Christ. Today could be the day where you say, Jesus, help me understand you and come to you. Second, for those of us who are in Christ, this is a time for examination, to examine the fruit in our life. I am a full-out cheering on the way of doing the Christian life that says, for every one look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. The great pastor Robert Murray McShane said that. I believe that, but we do need to have at least one look at ourselves. And at times in Scripture, we are called as Christians to examine ourselves. I think the parable of the the sower helps us take an honest assessment of how is the fruit. Are you missing particular fruits of character or an eagerness of calling in terms of serving the church or serving your workplace or blessing your marriage or whatever it is for you right now? Are you seeing I'm lacking fruit? Now's the time to get honest with yourself under the canopy and safety of the mercy of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean all of a sudden, kaput, you're out of the kingdom. No, it's a time to come again to Christ, to hear and understand his word. And then thirdly, there's a time for us to refocus as a church. We want to be a church that makes whole disciples of Christ. We want to see God glorified for the making of disciples and for the good of all people. And that outwardness of blessing and making disciples and growing in maturity, that fruit bearing begins with word, hearing, and understanding, brothers and sisters. So in our personal lives, in our weekly coming to Sunday morning, in our community groups, are we coming back to that posture of a disciple of humble and hungry, Lord, teach me, Lord, show me, I want to understand. It begins right there. Our future blessing and growth begins in that secret place of integrity of opening our hearts afresh to the word of Christ. 
brothers and sisters, church ministry and church growth, it's actually not all that complex. It's difficult, but it's not that complex. It's very simple. It comes back to the word of Christ as disciples to say, Lord, help me hear and understand. So this is what the Lord calls each of us to because of who he is. You know, when we, when you or I are, are kind of at the end point of our lives, the last year or so, whatever it is, I'm assuming most of us will not care about how the stock market is going or the price of gas or who the president of the U.S. is or if we climbed the ladder of success or we've had great vacations or tremendous popularity among our peers or whatever it is that the world presses upon us as most valuable. What we will want to be and look back on our lives is to be people of character, people of fruitful calling, people that bore fruit for the glory of Jesus Christ in our generation. And if we want to be that person when we're 89 years old, which I would hope and pray all of us do, none of us want to waste our lives. We want to live it for Christ and his glory. But when you're 89, to be that person then, today and today, the question is, do you have ears to hear and a heart to understand the word of Christ? Let's pray. Father, please help us open our hearts afresh to you this morning, to the word of Christ, we pray.